Conversations with Pioneers, hosted by Refule Tobeja. She's a go-getter. Tenacious. Resilient, without a doubt. Intelligent, most definitely a thinker. She sets the pace. voice and it's a new week then you know what time it is it's time for another inspiring episode of conversations with pioneers hello and welcome thank you for joining me My name is Refule Tobeja and as always, I do not ride solo. Today I'm joined by Koli Swamuraga, the purposeful entrepreneur. She's a seasoned business growth strategist, serial mompreneur, entrepreneurship activist, speaker, and a homeschool mom of two. She also has over 12 years experience in the human development sector. Over the course of her career, Koli Iswa has worked with various organizations to design and execute entrepreneurship development programs. She coaches entrepreneurs and provides strategic business building support to entrepreneurs across various industries. Welcome to the show, Koliswa. Thank you so much, Rafila, for having me. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. You're welcome. How are you doing today? I am doing super well, my darling. It's a Sunday. I'm blessed. So great. Thank you. Awesome. So I'd like to dive right in deep. Shall we do that? Let's do that, my dear. Let's do that. But first things first, business aside, we'll get to that in a bit. Who's Koli Swamuraka? Koli Swamuraka is the purposeful entrepreneur. Koli is a mom of two beautiful girls. She is just a lover of life and a person that's really intentional about living life on purpose. Amazing. I like that. The purposeful entrepreneur. So when did you start working for yourself and when did you know that business was the way to go for you? Uh, my first time was when I was 23. I first quit my first corporate gig or corporate job to pursue entrepreneurship the first time. It was tough. I went back, I think after a couple of years and I thought, you know what, let me just go get a job again in nine to five so that I can pay the bills. But the, just the bug, the entrepreneurship bug had got me. I quit my job again and I went back to the entrepreneurship world and I started my second business. Again, it was tough. I failed. I went back to, to corporate and mm-hmm. uh, in 2017, I left, I think for the final time. And I've been working on the business on Collateral Growth for the last three years. So I've been on my Mm -hmm. own for the last three years. Mm -hmm. Awesome. What I want to know is that generally what drives people to become entrepreneurs? What motivates people to want to work for themselves and not be employees, including yourself? Great. So I think there's a number of reasons or there's a number of motivations that get people to want to pursue entrepreneurship or business as a vehicle of choice. One of it would be our ego gets in the way. We feel like we can do it better than the boss. And therefore, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be told uh, what to do. Therefore, I I will create my own business. So ego sometimes drives us to create our own businesses and we get to the real world and we 
start businesses and we realize mm, it's not that easy. But some people really have a passion and desire for innovation, a desire mm -hmm. to build and create things from scratch, you know, and they're mm -hmm. prepared to take the risk as much as enjoy the rewards that come with building businesses and positioning yourself as an entrepreneur. Other people do it because they are wanting to build wealth for themselves and for their families or for, for the stakeholders that are involved with. And they know that entrepreneurship is one of the greatest asset vehicles to use to build your wealth. You know, So mm -hmm. I think there's a number of reasons why people would choose to become an entrepreneur. And what was your reason? I guess a combination of everything, right? <laughs> so there was, there was a desire for me to build wealth for myself, but also for my family and the people that are involved. So wealth was initially the first driving force. But two, I believe that there's something that I have to offer and it can't be confined to just serving one company, you know, so I wanted to, to be able to provide my skills, my service, my experience to a broader community of clients. And for me, entrepreneurship made sense. So to an extent, mm -hmm. I, I could do it better on my own than when I was in somebody else's company. And, and that's mm -hmm. why I, I decided. But I just think um, I was also prepared for the risk and rewards that come with running my own business. Mm, mm, I like that. Now let's talk a bit about your work, right? You work to facilitate and advance the economic inclusion, participation, growth and prosperity of African people and businesses. How do you achieve this? Sure. So I think the best vehicle we do that is through Collab for Growth. So Collab for Growth is what I call my mission business. It is a business that I purely started in 2018 or when I resigned in my last corporate gig in 2017 to intentionally focus on helping black entrepreneurs to build their businesses. Having worked in the space for over 10 years and 12 years and having been in the enterprise and supply development space where we are giving away money, resources and equipment to help all in the name of empowerment of black businesses, I realized that there was a gap, right? These businesses, uh, we are putting money away as corporate companies as part of our PE mandate and supporting black mm -hmm. businesses, but they are not necessarily growing. You know, mm. and our goal really is to say, how do we transition from survivalist to mm. sustainable growth as, as, mm. as businesses, right? Because what I've seen is that a whole lot of us are getting into entrepreneurship because it's the buzzword, right? But not all of us are building growth oriented businesses or impact driven businesses. We are building businesses just to put food on the table. Mm. And for most of us, we are first-generation entrepreneurs, right? We've never been exposed to anyone that has built a high-growth venture. We don't have an uncle that says, I've built a multi-billion a multi -billion rent business or a, a father or a mother, whoever it is. You know, So we've always seen people from afar. And most of the people that have built these growth-orientated businesses don't look like us, right? They are white, Indian, or anything else, but... We don't know anyone close to us that has built such a business, but we've learned, you know. So I think over the last 12 years of working in the corporate in and out space, but also working in the entrepreneurship field, I've learned so much that I just wanted to package something and bring in people that have also gone through this entrepreneurial journey and we've learned and we've said, how do we then start being intentional about mm -hmm. building our businesses for growth and to also demensify the idea that black people are building puzzle shops. The only mm. thing that we're building is puzzle shops and hawkers, hawker business, you know. So we want to build businesses that can add significant value in the economy, 
businesses that can create jobs, businesses that can innovate and change industries. And that's how we do it uh, as Collab for Growth. So we provide masterclasses where we teach people about business. And we also, it's not just about us talking, but it's also bringing people that have gone through the journey and have learned how to build businesses into growth vehicles. And we, we also do business coaching where we work with entrepreneurs and help them to develop success habits of building their lives, but also building their businesses. It's combined. It's not just about the business. It's also about the person building the business, you know. And the third one is what we call the growth consulting service, which is really about growth hacking your business, understanding what's your health check of your business? What are some of the things that a growth orientated business needs to have? Are you working in the business or on the business so how do we balance how do we make sure that you are building the systems and the processes that will help you gear up for growth amazing so as someone who engages with entrepreneurs on a regular basis what are the traits or characteristics of a successful entrepreneur I guess the first one is just being comfortable with failure right because if you read the stats and you understand the stats of entrepreneurship when they say new businesses will fail, 70% of new businesses will fail within the first five years. You have to realize that you might be the 70. You know, you might fall part of the 70, 80%. I mean, the stats changes depending on what research piece you are looking at. But the reality is that a lot of businesses that start with good intention and they believe they can change the world, there's a likelihood of failure that might mm. happen to be comfortable with that and saying and not be married to the initial idea that you have so a lot of entrepreneurs don't get married to their first idea they understand that i need to change i need to adapt to what the market is saying and to what my customers are potentially requesting you have to have a deep desire to problem solve so identifying problems and saying what problems exist and how do i use my gifts talents and skills in this business to solve this particular problem who is experiencing this problem and how best can i add value so you constantly have to be critical so you need to also be a critical thinker as an entrepreneur but also you need to be obsessed with wealth creation because that's one of the things that entrepreneurship and business can give you so you can't say i mean i'm just doing this for the good of people then start an NGO, you know? So if you're just doing it for the good of people, start an NGO. But if you're building it to profit from it and to, to ensure that you, you can show your stakeholders and your shareholders, if you would, that this is a profitable venture that they can invest in and that people can trust you to build this business for growth, then I think you're on the right track. But you, you have to just be there and apply yourself and selling uh it's, it's a difficult thing i know so sales skills become critical because how do you start knocking on doors and saying to people i am here this is what i do the value that i provide and a lot of us shy away from it because we believe that sales is for special people or for people mm. that talk a lot you know but it's it's really a number of ways to sell I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. Uh, people saying, you know, I'm not a seller or I'm not a salesperson. I'm a communicator or I'm a creative. I'm not a sales salesperson. So if, if you're running a business, you must be able to sell. But now tell me, uh, usually people who come who come to you for your assistance or your services, what skills do they lack? And, and when they leave, what skills do they leave having gained? So the first thing that we must realize is that one of the mishaps or what I would say the challenges of entrepreneurship is that we supposedly have to have all these skills, right? You must have mm -hmm. financial 
sales skills, HR skills, and all of those things to be able to run a business. And that's incorrect, right? So if having worked in corporate before, one of the things that I've really appreciated is that I'm a strategist. I come up with ideas, I build programs, and I come up with what needs to happen for us to achieve the objectives of what we are trying to create. Somebody else that does marketing will worry about what marketing activity needs to be done. Somebody else that is in finance will worry about the money part. So I find that one of the things we have to be conscious about doing is understanding what is it that we possess and what is it that we currently have as entrepreneurs. So am I a creative, a salesperson, a finance person? What do I need to build a business? How do I bring in the resources, not necessarily through job creation and bringing all those people into your business, but it's saying, what is it that I can outsource to other people and ensure that they can support me to build this vision? Because it's easier to build with a community rather than to build yourself because the likelihood of failure when you're trying to be jack of all trades and master of nine is higher. You know, and mm. that's one of the things that we, we find when people come to us is that they are doing everything. They are the admin person, they are the HR person, they are the finance person, they are the sales person, and they are the, like, they are literally everything. So we try and break down what the business is about, what market they are servicing, what problems they are solving, and what is the best model for them to achieve these results, and how do they start outsourcing certain things to either juniors if they have employees or outsourcing it completely to service providers that can provide a better service and help them to grow so the first thing really is to say don't be a jack of all trades understand your own trade your own skill and your own passion because passion and energy drives what you do mm. so totally how do you outsource ne, when you're not even paying yourself a salary when you're not making enough money, how do you outsource a certain service to somebody that you need to pay while you're not even paying yourself? Are you earning? So are you are you building a business and are you making money? So if you're not making money in the business, it's still not a business. It's an idea. And that's what I always say is that if the business is not making money, it is an idea. And mm. until you have gone out and captured a market and there are people, for me personally, I say business is about value exchange. You have a product, you need to exchange that value for money. Who are the people that need to buy it? So if you have not reached that sweet spot of getting people to buy what you're selling, it means you're not solving the right problem. So you might need to mm. go back to ideation and say, what is it that I'm solving? What, who am I solving it for? What is what is their big pain? Are they willing to pay money for it. And that's why business is about constantly testing what you have and engaging with the market. So you can't just say, I'm, I'm in business simply because you've registered a company. Business mm. is about exchange of value. When As soon as you've exchanged your value, which is a product or service that you're offering for money with the client that is looking for what you're selling, then we can say you're in business. And how you grow is you start looking at what is it that people are buying and you say, can I multiply what people are buying by if I'm, I'm selling in Alex as an example, because that's where I come from. Can mm. I go this and I'm selling to 10 people? Can I multiply this to and sell to 20 people? What is the model that I will use to sell to 20 people? Can I move from Alex to Soweto to Rosebank, wherever it is, you know, to create a scalable business. So you start thinking in that sense. But if you have not exchanged for your first product with a customer for money, we're still not in business, you know. And once you start building that type of approach and you start thinking that way, you can then start saying, okay, money is trickling in a bit. I need to start releasing myself of all the responsibilities that I'm carrying and start thinking about what is the 
first outsource service I am going to procure. So instead of just thinking that all the money that's now coming in is for you and it's for your paycheck because you haven't paid yourself for five years, you can start saying, but I want to build a growth-orientated business. What do Mm -hmm. I need to let go that will give me enough time and energy to focus on what I need to do to build my business? I like that. I like that. So what advice would you give to someone who's at the brink of quitting business and going back to employment or the nine to five? For me, there's no shame in it, right? Mm. There is no shame in it because one of the critical things and we overlook, we glorify the instant gratification of entrepreneurship and we think that just because you quit your job yesterday and you started your business, you will drive a Rolls Royce the next day, right? We, we glorify what people have portrayed in, in social media to say business can give you the freedom. But the first five years of business, and that's why there's a high chance of failure in the first five years, is that it's tough. You haven't really figured out what your value is. You are constantly testing. You haven't captured fully the market, right? Mm-hmm. You are constantly t- t- testing and iterating what you are offering and people are... Your, your customers have different demands. And also we live in a world where technology has just taken over things that it's easier for people to access certain things than they were uh, about 10, 20 years ago. You know, so it's, the environment is constantly changing. So for me, I would say survival is the first order of business. Looking after yourself, if you can't pay your basic needs, your, your, your electricity, your bond, your car, your whatever it is that you need to cover for your living expenses, but you say you're in business, but there isn't money coming in, then you're not in business. You might as well just go find a job for now. You know, mm. if you found your job, use that job, not as a, a grudge tool and say, I hate my job and all of those things, but look at your job as your first investor. So look at your job and say, how can I use this job and the money that I'm going to earn from this job to invest in my business? So now I'm not going to worry about how am I going to put food on the table, but I can now free myself of that worry. I can now focus on building this business. So things that you need to do that you didn't do in your first time around, you can start doing to engage with your customers and understand, or you need to first define what problem you are trying to solve and who are you solving it for. We need to engage, get out of the building and engage with people and understand if that problem exists. You can now work at the business, not at a rush pace mm-hmm. because you're trying to survive mm-hmm. and you're trying to bring money in, but you can work on your business in a pace that allows you to really think properly. You know, So for mm-hmm. me, I, I think there is no shame in going back to, mm-hmm. to a 95 and build your business as a side hustle, as a startup. And then once you have validated that this is a business, is a legit business, it can bring in the revenue, it can allow you to live the life that you desire, it can allow you to make the impact that you desire, it can allow you to achieve your goals, then you can exit. So there's no shame in it. And I think even the people that are considering quitting their nine to five to go into entrepreneurship or business, I would say, think about those things before. Can I build this business on a part-time basis uh, whilst I work? If the answer is yes, I would recommend that you do that. If the answer is no, then you have to again ask yourself, how do I survive at least the first three years of my business? Because mm-hmm. the chances are the first three years are going to be the toughest. So if, if you've passed the sweet spot of three years and you're still in survival, there's still the two years of growth of trying to figure out how do I scale this business a bit so that it's not just now about me surviving and giving me a salary. It can be a business that can be geared for growth and sustainable growth. So the, the last two years of the five years is to really just thinking to start thinking about the growth um, Mm. associated with the business. So again, it's just that 
continuous checking. Mm -hmm. So if you've got enough reserve to cover you the first three years. And I know sometimes you go in and month one, things are great and you, you get that contract and it, things fall in place. But for most of us, it, it's not that way, you know, so yeah. for most people, it's not that way. You, so you have to apply your mind. It's about also understanding your own reality to say, if I leave this job and I go into this business full time and I don't have an alternative source of income, things might get tough. I've been there. I almost lost my house. I almost lost my car. I almost lost, I couldn't pay my kids school fees. And I considered a number of times, do I go back? Do I, you know, so it had to be and hence part of my reasons for going back in and out of corporate was because of that, because I hadn't adjusted myself emotionally and physically and my, and my own reality that, yo, if I don't end, I'm not able to pay for these things. And that's why I had to go back now and then. But now I'm in a position where I'm saying, now I understand all these things and I've built enough support and network for me and also a business, a proper business that is generating revenue and there are willing customers or there are customers that are really experiencing the problems that I'm, I'm solving through the business and they're willing to pay for it. And now I can carry on, you know, so survival is no longer my worry. Now my worry is about how do I grow the business? Amazing. That's absolutely amazing. What advice do you have for, let's say, a freelancer? How can one grow and see themselves and conduct themselves as a business and not as just someone working on their own at a coffee shop? So I guess, again, it's your motivation for doing it. We have the belief that everyone should be an entrepreneur, right? Because entrepreneurship is the buzzword. And it shouldn't be, you know, so you can be anything that you want. So it, it really depends on your desires for going into the space. So if you're just wanting to become a freelancer and just put your own food on the table and collect your paycheck, just be that, honestly. But if you want to build a business and if you're saying i'm a freelancer but i want to build this into a business then you need to start thinking like a business person you need to start thinking about the fact that it can't just be about you so when you are building a business it can't be a you dependent business how do you intend to build a team what is the offering so how does the business exist without you because at some point you need to think about your own exit strategy so what what are the things that i need to put in place that says the business is not a me thing. It's a business and the business can run without me. So for me, it's those things. It's just the mindset shift, but also the day-to-day -day things that you would do as a business person versus a freelancer. Okay. And what are those things, Polly? Because I want to understand, let's say you want to, to keep it a me thing, but you want to, to be seen as, as a business. How do you conduct yourself to be seen as, as a business, even though it's, it's just you in the business? So <laughs> it's, it's a tricky thing. So I, I try and make an example with, I love Robin Sharma, right? Robin Sharma is a you business. If you think about it, yes, there's a team behind, but people are interacting with him what he's done is he's been able to move most of the stuff online so people can now still engage and hear his voice and speak to him and not the mm. people behind the scene but they're still engaging with him and speaking to him but he's got in reality is he's got a team behind him so mm. what i'm trying to stress is that even though the business you are the face of the business and you are the one that's delivering the work that needs to be delivered you still need to have a team behind you that helps you build this business and helps you set up the business. And that team could be on a pro bono basis, but or, or it could be on a consulting services where you procure their services. So, and that's why you start approaching is that you can be the face and be there and be loud, but there should be a team behind you. It can't be just you. And you have to find mechanisms of saying, because I'm just one person, 
how do I make sure that a broader community of people that are interested in what I'm selling can access me? And that's why the online world makes sense, you know, uh, mm. because you can't be in all places at once. So if you have a client in Obeck and there's another one in Cape Town on the same day, you can't be in both places at the same time, but through technology you can. So you need to start now thinking innovatively to say, how do I maintain my me business, have a team behind me, but also ensure that I can scale this business? Mm-hmm. I like that. So how do we get a hold of you? What's your company website and how do we keep in touch with you on social media? Okay, so I'm on Facebook and we've got a, a nice Facebook group there. It's Grow Your Business with Koli Somoraka. I'm mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. It's Koli Somoraka. And our website is www.collab for growth, C-O-L-A-B, number four, growth. Mm-hmm. Dot com and that's where you find us collabforgrowth.com thank you Goliswa, for coming on the show we wish you all the best thank you thank you Rufita so much and I hope your listeners get valuable lessons from this session thank you so much you're welcome I'm sure they do If you enjoyed that conversation, please subscribe, please share and keep coming back for more. Email us info at refilwetobeka.com. Find me on my socials, Twitter and Instagram at refilwetobeka, Facebook page refilwetobeka and on LinkedIn I am refilwetobeka. We love and appreciate your support. Till next time, take care. Conversations with Pioneers. Hosted by Refilio Toberra.